0: And welcome to the Amazing Bible.book club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. In our introduction of 2 Corinthians, we learned that the order of events of Paul with his relationship with the Church of God in Corinth was as follows. Number one, Paul started the church in Corinth around AD 50. Number two, Paul sent them a letter that was misunderstood and it is missing to us. Number three, Paul sent them a second letter, which is what we know of as 1 Corinthians. Number four, Paul visited Corinth, not recorded in Acts, and this was a painful visit. Number five, Paul then wrote a sorrowful or a severe letter sent by Titus, which is missing to us. Number six, Paul met up with Titus and was encouraged that the church had repented and were favorable toward Paul. And number seven, Paul is now writing his fourth letter to Corinth, which we know of as Second Corinthians. The purpose of this letter is to bring comfort to the church before he comes for his third visit and to remind them to collect their offering for the church which meets at Jerusalem. This is a letter of reconciliation, which may be why Paul used the word comfort ten times in the first seven verses of his introduction. We learn that we suffer with Christ, so we do not suffer alone and one purpose of our suffering is to comfort one another in verses 8 through 11 of chapter 1 paul said they suffered in the area of asia to the point of death but their comfort was in knowing that god raises the dead he thanked the church for their prayers and that god spared their lives through the prayers of many praying for one another is extremely important In this situation, we do not know exactly what struggle Paul is talking about since we only have the book of Acts, which did not cover everything. So commentators try and speculate, but Paul does not make it clear. What is good about that is that it can apply to our lives with various issues. The next section, verses 12 through 24, Paul spoke about his integrity. Verse 12 starts, for our boast is this david c george in his commentary said paul spoke of boast this word and its related forms occur 29 times in second corinthians more than all the rest of the new testament It is a theme that runs throughout the book, page 19 of his commentary. In this section, we learn that people had criticized Paul and his ministry, and Paul is declaring his clean conscience. Now, in 1 Corinthians, Paul had mentioned when they were going to come and visit them, but the plans didn't happen that way, and people were saying that Paul did not keep his word, that he is fickle, but he explained that that was not the case. David C. George also said, Paul might have been changeable about his travel plans, but his strategy was consistent with the gospel. It was always based on the question, what is the most redemptive thing to do in this situation? Paul said in verses 18 through 22, but as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but yes in him, meaning yes in Jesus. For as many as are the promises of God, and ladies, there's tons of them, in him they are yes. Therefore, also through him, through Jesus, is our amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us in God, who also sealed us and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge. In other words, Jesus fulfills all of the promises of God. In Jesus, we have our amen or the so be it. And this brings glory to God. Then we see that in Christ, we are established, anointed for service, sealed for salvation, and have the spirit of God in our hearts as a down payment for the day of redemption. In verse 23, Paul called on God as his witness. Basically, he's saying, if I am lying, may God take my life. He explained that he did not come to Corinth at that time because he wanted to spare them another painful visit. And he reminded them that he does not control them or lord over them, but he is a co-worker with them. In chapter two, Paul talked of the painful visit and the painful letter. He explained that he wrote it not for the purpose of afflicting pain, but he wrote it in tears Desiring their turn of behavior would bring joy. One thing I learned from an anger management book is that there is a difference between hurt and harm. When we go to the dentist, it hurts, but we go because it is healthy for us. Paul is saying that his intent was never to harm them, but it was for their good. God also never allows pain to his people in order to harm them. But it is always for our good. Paul addressed someone who had hurt him that was in the church at Corinth. Again, we do not know who or what specific event, which again is good for the reader because many more people can relate to someone hurting us. And as G. R. Beasley Murray said, The studied ambiguity of Paul's references to the offending church member in verses 5 and following and to the offended person in chapter 7 verse 12 is exasperating to the historian trying to reconstruct the story of Paul's relations with the church at Corinth. But for those who seek guidance on how to handle offenders in the church, it is instructive. We see that the church brought discipline to this person. And now Paul says, now it is the time to forgive because we don't want to give Satan an opportunity to take advantage of us. Verses 10 and 11. In other words, if we hold on to unforgiveness, we are opening the door for Satan to come in. Now, starting in verse 12 of chapter 2, Paul explained why he did not come to Corinth. Because he wanted to see Titus first because Titus would give him word as to how the Corinthian church received Paul's third letter. It is interesting that Paul gets a bit sidetracked and does not complete this story until chapter 7 verse 5 and following. So Paul was saying about his travels and how they did not go as planned. But then he said, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Verse 14, as the hymn said, we do have victory in Jesus. And I also think he's saying that it didn't go as planned, but where God took them was a blessing. Then in verses 15 and 16, Paul explained that Christians are a fragrant aroma of Christ to God and to people. We are either a fragrance of life to life being saved, or we are fragrance of death to death. Those who are perishing, there are only two groups. Heading into chapter three, Paul is defending their ministry. Paul even said, do we have to start over and give you letters of recommendation about ourselves to you? Then he said, you are our letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men being manifested that you are a letter of Christ cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone. But on tablets of human hearts chapter 3 verses 2 and 3 what paul is saying is that because of their ministry the church in corinth exists that is all the proof they need of christ working in their ministry and the spirit is working in their hearts to write god's word in them the phrase that said they are read by all men Reminds us that people are watching us and they see our actions and what we are made of, what the Spirit is doing in our lives. Paul was referencing the Ten Commandments, which were written on stone. But then he is also referencing Ezekiel chapter 11 and Jeremiah chapter 31, because these prophets said that God would change our heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. Paul then compared the old covenant, the one written on stone, to the new covenant of the spirit in our hearts. Now, Paul referenced the Old Testament laws as the ministry of death in verse 7, but he also acknowledged that with them came God's glory with Moses in Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 through 35. Why does he reference them as the ministry of death? Because people are unable to keep the commandments because of our sinful nature. But with the new covenant, the spirit gives us life and enables us from within to become like Christ. We then become able to obey the law. He then said in verse 9 that if the law, that ministry of condemnation, because it always revealed to us our sin... If that had glory, then the glory of the Holy Spirit, that ministry of righteousness, has even more glory. One thing to think about is that the glory of Moses was directly related to how much time he spent with God on that mountain, 40 days and 40 nights, Exodus 34 verse 28. Once he came down, he was no longer in that constant presence and his glory faded. That seems to be the same with us. The more time we spend with God in prayer, the more we access the Spirit of God, the more glory of God shines in our lives for the world to read. Plus, someday there will be a glory that is even more glorious that we cannot grasp. Chapter 3 ends, But to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the spirit. Here we see that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of the Lord Jesus. And when we accept Jesus into our lives, his spirit enters us and we have liberty. We are free of the law because Jesus fulfilled the law. So we have the glory of God in us. And yet that glory is being transformed more and more as we become more like Jesus until we have reached that eternal glory with Jesus in heaven. This is the process of sanctification, and someday it will be glorification. So ladies, if you are a Christian, then you are established in Christ. You are anointed in God, and you are sealed with the Spirit as a pledge until that glorious day. Paul wants us to understand who we are in Christ and that we belong to him and we can have hope. The other thing Paul told us is that we are a book that is being read by the people in our homes, our workplaces, even at leisure. So what kind of story are they reading? To some people, you are an aroma of life. To others, you represent death just remember that if they reject you, they are also rejecting Jesus. Let us live in such a way that we will bring God glory. Today, if you hear the Spirit's voice, please don't harden your heart. Instead, let's be women who pray and obey. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.